Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 118 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we got some pretty big news because, obviously, we had the FA Cup final that happened, Leicester City coming out victorious over Chelsea. But probably the biggest news and the one that's probably been in your mind or on your mind during the Premier League um, these past couple of days has been the top four race, but specifically Liverpool's late game heroics and pretty much their last month heroics to kind of save their season, pulling off, I think now it's been four wins off the trot, four straight Premier League wins, which has been amazing for a Liverpool side that has been very in and out of form this entire season. But probably the biggest news was during the West Brom game in the 95th minute in stoppage time, last kick of the game, like literally last kick of the game, Trent Alexander-Arnold had a corner. And as what normally happens is the goalkeeper came up and Ali Sun. He came up for the corner and Alexander-Arnold whipped it in. Allison scored and it was probably the biggest moment that happened in soccer during year, during this past weekend. And it was something that was jaw-dropping. I was working the game, so I had to clip the goal and everything. But I, even as a United fan, I still find myself watching the goal. And I'm like still amazed. I'm like, how did he score this? It just doesn't make sense. But it was it was probably one of the best goals I've ever seen. It was crazy. It was literally, this is a spoiler for next week's premier pod awards for this 2020 and 2021 season but that's my goal of the season right there that was yeah. insane i had to bust out the alley sun jersey <laughs> from the closet just to whip it out just in honor of that goal because that was insane and to put in perspective the kind of importance of this goal and also the historical significance there's only been six goals scored in the premier league by keepers and this is the only one that was scored that was the game winner And not only was this the game winner, but this kept Liverpool's top four hopes alive. Like this was literally the last ditch effort to keep Liverpool in that top four race. And without him scoring, I think Liverpool would have been out of that race. It would have been just Chelsea and Leicester getting those last two spots. But now with that, that was enough to push the team. Yes. And it was insane. It was a beautifully placed header. And it was a beautiful cross from Trent Alexander-Arnold. Like not enough... Not enough love for that cross, but the header, though, was insane. And also the post-match. Yes, it was literally like a a striker's header. And even in the post-match conference or like, you know, the interview, they they asked Ali Sun, it was like, do you do you practice headers in practice? And he's like, yeah, sometimes it's like, why? (laughs) He's like, I guess for this situation, you never see the keeper get on the end of one of these crosses. And usually, if you know, if you even if it hits the keeper, usually they use their foot. But no, it was a perfectly timed header, and he had no one marking because like no one was gonna think it was gonna be Ali Sun. But he's one of the biggest people in the box, like six foot three, like he just knows what to do. And it was a very emotional goal for him because like there's a lot been going on in his life just right outside of football with like his his father recently passed away due to a lake accident where he drowned, and like that really hit him. And also he had like a, a baby recently too. So like a lot of stuff happening, like good and bad just in his life. And it was, he just went into tears at the very end of this game. Mm-hmm. And even the, the rest of the team, I saw posts from like Fabinho just like in shock, <laughs> just like he, his post was literally quoted. It was like, this is how every Liverpool fan and players feeling. It's just him just hand on his face. Like what? <laughs> crazy. So everyone was in shock. Even, even I, I think even fans of opposite teams, like even United fans, there's like people that just love the sport 
I just found myself, I just kept rewatching the highlight because I'm like, how did, like, first of all, I was like, how did he score? And then, like, when you think of, like, like, like what you had just mentioned, when you think of all the other significance around it about this is a big goal for Liverpool's top four hopes. This is a big goal for him personally, for everything going on in his life. This is a big goal for, like, Liverpool as a club and, you know, their supporters. And it's just a big goal just in general. And I, I, I just... It's just crazy that he scored that. To me, it's just abs- It's just crazy. I just cannot believe it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as you mentioned too, like Liverpool season's been so up and down, and this is the one time of the season like we really can't mess up. Like yeah, we- they literally been they picked the right time to go up again. Yes, like I think this was so profound of a goal that it helped boost the morale of every other player on the team. It's like, all right, this is this is some magic right here. This is why you're a Liverpool fan. This is why Liverpool players are who they are. It's because of these moments like this. Like you don't you're not gonna see a Tottenham player doing this. You're gonna see a Liverpool player doing this. Something magic against mm-hmm. West Brom. And even for the rest of the game too, it was a struggle to watch. I was thinking this is Liverpool's season in a nutshell, this one game where it's literally 20 shots and then four on target. And then for West Brom, they had three shots on target with maybe like five shots. It was insane. It was Liverpool is the epitome of quantity, not quality right now. And it was just very frustrating. Like every single shot, like from Wijnaldum to Trent to Firmino, Salah, everyone was just just barely missing the goal. And people were like, the goal so big. It's like, how are you missing? It's like, well, you also have to shoot it well enough because you know there's going to be a professional goalkeeper that's going to block any easy shots and things mm-hmm. like that. But at the same time, like, please just get something on target. <laughs> just get back to those basics because, like, literally, there's so many shots to just go wide. Just barely. And it's just like, oh, it's so tantalizing. But yeah. Allison, of all people, gets that final shot on target and scores. Out. But, it, it was um, it was insane. And when I, when I also thought about the goal... I kind of thought about well, since Klopp has been at Liverpool, even when he was at Dortmund, but specifically Liverpool, he's had a lot. I guess he's you guys have been kind of spoiled because you guys have seen a lot of really crazy, wild endings to games or crazy, wild moments. Um, a couple that stand out to me were, I think, Lovren's header or Lovren's winner against Dortmund in the Europa mm-hmm. League. The Obviously, the comeback against Barcelona. Um, the Divock Origi goal against Everton just came out of nothing, essentially. Um, and now this Alisson goal. But I wanted to ask you as a Liverpool fan, what has been since Klopp has been there outside of just, you know, lifting a trophy? Because obviously those are huge moments. But, you know, those moments where it's a game winning goal, something crazy happens. What's been like your favorite one since Klopp has been there? Your corner taken quickly. Really? That's the one? (laughs) Yes. That's my favorite thing to reference still to this day. It's just corner (laughs) taken quickly because it was just literally the most random starting 11 like it even have the star players up front like i remember it was like shakiri starting and arigi getting the start and it, was it, it looked because like the front three was hurt or he just wanted to change things up i think he wanted to change things up and also they weren't maybe fully 100 percent, if i remember correctly but i just kind of went into that game thinking it was like all right it's gonna be a throwaway game and then out of the blue random were three like autumn scored twice right yeah, like when Alden was one of the best subs I've ever seen in history. Like he came on a halftime for Robbo and then he does that. He scores two and there's so much passion in his two goals. I was like, geez, this is like Gerard-esque almost. And then that corner taken quickly from Trent, that was the key. Like that also like kind of cemented Trent as one of my favorite players at Liverpool right now. And even of all time already, just because like he's just so versatile and he's just 
like as a young player already making such a big impact it's like it's crazy and he's from liverpool mm-hmm. so he's kind of literally been through the whole ranks but i would say my second favorite that's like kind of close it's kind of random is like the one time i think it was like the norwich game where it was like five four oh, yeah i remember that one and that then was everyone crazy. jumped and then, on like, Klopp. broke his glasses yeah like benteke <laughs> punched <laughs> claw's glasses off and like i remember a lot he half. took his shirt off right when after he scored and it was yeah it was wild I, I but, remember uh, that one. That was that one was great because that was one of his first um, couple games in charge as manager, mm-hmm. and like that, that's when I saw I was like something special is happening here. It was uh, a really early game. I remember I was like a freshman in college, and then I was kind of laying in bed watching it, and I was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. I was a senior in high school, so that's crazy. That's yeah, it was some wild times. Yeah, jeez. Literally that. Like I'm not even like you know, of course, like, lifting the Premier League, lifting the the Champions League trophies things like that like those are of course like some things i'll always remember because like those are the first major trophies i finally got to see liverpool lift after nine or ten years as a fan but like those like little moments like corner taking quickly and just everyone just piling on a clop after celebrating that goal those are some of my more low-key favorite moments that yeah. i'm pretty sure a lot of other liverpool fans would probably pick as their faves too but man like those moments like you you can really see the passion like you don't really see games like that from every other team and when you do they're not i'm not gonna say like frequent like this like maybe you'll see them like once every few years but i feel like for liverpool you get one of these every every other year at this point at this rate it's just like something yeah. something insane happens like if something insane happens Especially it's gonna be in liverpool it's crazy it's good and bad because we also see in Cristanbul <laughs> in the same instance in the in the gerard slip like every like we've seen it's a roller coaster mm-hmm. so yeah. i mean you've seen it all I feel like with uh, with Klopp the past couple of years, you guys have been getting a lot of the the good highs and like the good moments that come with it. But mm-hmm. as you said, like some of the bad stuff that happens. But that's very interesting. I was very curious to see what your response would be because, you know, as an outsider, I've only seen um, the stuff I've seen. But obviously, as a supporter, you probably have a bigger affinity to some other moments than you know just someone that's just watching it as not a fan but just wants to see what's going on. Type like. Thing. I would say corner taking quickly is just the one I would always watch the clip of. If like I see it on Twitter, it's like, oh, happy corner taking quickly anniversary. I like I'd watch that. <laughs> or if it's like even a random day, it's like just a friendly reminder this happened. Mm-hmm. Like I just watch that on Twitter every time yeah. I see it. And I mean, it, it's just that's just how it is. A Liverpool fan, in my opinion, it's like one of the greatest clubs, if not the greatest to support just because of just the magic that can happen. Mm-hmm. And even this season, too, it's like a mini version where it's like we were first place at the end of the year like the calendar year and then come March we're eighth and then now we're back to fourth. So it's literally been a roller coaster. So like, that's something I kind of like it's not consistent, but sometimes, you know, for sports, you kind of need that. You kind of need that kind of magic. You don't want to be like a man city fan where it's like, Oh man, it's just, we first the whole season. Like, how, <laughs> how much more money be. can we spend? Yeah. How, it's like, Oh, we spent another 200 mil. It's like, yeah. And then for Liverpool, it's like, man, can you spend some money? And then when we do, it's like, oh, they actually did it. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a surprise. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, that, you know, that's some of the the things you see with some of these bigger clubs, some of those magical moments, and um, that Liverpool at least on goal was definitely up there with uh, probably one of the most magical, probably the magical moment of this season, but probably will go mm-hmm. down in Premier League history as one of the best moments of all time. But yeah, when I. I still find myself, I know it's only been a couple of days, but I, I still rewatch that goal and it's still really cool to see it um, whenever I can. It's just, it's just one of those iconic goals and remain one of the most iconic goals ever. Um, but 
I guess moving on to a team that kind of scored another iconic goal was the Manchester United Fulham game. And this one was really cool because this past game week or match week um, was the first time the Premier League allowed fans into this. All teams were allowed to have fans because I think there was a portion. There was a point, I think, during November or October where certain clubs, depending on, I guess, I think it was like their stage or their phase um, or like the city code that the, that I guess this England had put on them um, or the government had put on them, whether they could allow fans or not. So I think a couple of teams that were in like in phase three were allowed to have like a very, 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 very small socially distanced mask on um, crowds. And I think Liverpool were part of that at one point, but this past match week was the first time all Premier League clubs were allowed to have fans in the home stadium. And it was so um, nice to see the fans back in there. Even, um, even at small capacity, it literally felt, um, I know Old Trafford, I think only allowed 10,000 fans, but those 10,000 fans sounded like a hundred thousand. It was so nice to hear real fan noise and not the artificial um, pumped in noise from the TV. And it was just, like I said before, it was good to see the fans, but it was also fun to see like the banter that came along with it, the protesting and all that, because you know, that's what happens when you have fans in it. And it was just so nice to hear authentic noise and authentic cheering. And what was really cool was in the United game, Cavani was, this was his first game in front of the Manchester United home crowd. And he was able to score this really beautiful 40 yard chip over Ariola at the Stratford end. Um, and to do that during his first game back with the fans, it was it was like a match made in heaven. It was crazy. And it was so cool seeing that goal come to life and um, hearing, seeing his reaction from it and seeing the fans get pumped up and going crazy. Uh, it, it was, it was so cool to see that, that see basically scoring that goal in that moment was crazy. And I, uh, I'm so glad that uh, he was able to, the fans were able to at least enjoy that goal live and in person. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be such a shame if he scored something that spectacular and there's no one to see it. I know. Like, that would have been so sad. That would have been more tragic. But even that goal, like, it reminded me a lot of, like, Suarez scoring, like, that 40-yard volley against Norwich. I was like, I I told Yush, I was like, what's with these Uruguayan strikers scoring from 40 yards against teams that are playing in yellow right now? Because Fulham (laughs) were playing in a a away kit that was yellow. Mm -hmm. But I was like, holy cow, that was an insane chip long shot pass whatever it was it was like yeah. a hybrid of all three put together but at the same time too seeing all these fans not only at old trafford but also at like turf more for liverpool versus burnley today and you know some of the other matches as well even for the fa cup final it was really cool to see because you know throughout the season people have been saying oh we we put artificial crowd noise you know we, we got the soundtracks and the track lists from fifa 21 because mm-hmm. like they got the crowd noise originally for that game from the actual crowds at the stadiums and they just you know would bleed it in to games in real life to like substitute for not having real life fans but you know that kind of can, that kind of becomes background noise it kind of becomes like as if you're at a training ground and then someone's just on the intercom just like hitting a, a mix box you know like one of those mm-hmm. sound boxes it's just like all right i'm gonna play this sound effect all right this sound effect all right, this chant is like, all right. Like, it didn't really feel as authentic, but in real life, like, you could hear, like, the slight nuances of, like, yeah. someone being like, oh, what? <laughs> like, yeah, and then, like, the booze coming out when a player flops on the other team. It was just so nice to hear, like, the, the banter from the other. The other back. And yeah. then when someone airplanes a shot, sends it to Rosette, it doesn't yeah. just hit hey. some random banner. Yeah. 
<laughs> or like just hit some random chair. It actually hits a fan. And then once like when, again. when it, when the team scores, the home team, like you see all those people going past like the, uh, the stewards and they're like, they're just going insane trying to get like a, a high five from the players and stuff. Yes. Like that's something like you really miss out on. Like you don't really realize it till you see it. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my gosh. Like and, you don't, re- I didn't realize how much I missed. Yeah. Not having a crowd on there. Cause like it literally, crazy. Like the one that really stuck out to me the most is like, have you seen a Madrid, like a Real Madrid home game this season? Yeah, they play in their um, B team stadium. Yeah, they play like, in like their like, like training really small. Realm. Yeah, it's like a, like no fans basically are, like can even fit in there. Like a very it looks small. like something like a high school would play at. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> like, aren't you Bernabeu. Real Madrid? They don't even I know like the, the Santiago Bernabeu is being, you know, it's under construction right now. Mm-hmm. But still, I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. Can't be watching a Champions League semi-final and something like this mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what the heck yeah. but uh like seeing the fans back it, it was just something else and it's really promising for not only for football but i feel like for the world too it's just like all right we're starting to see you know more people getting vaccinated you know unfortunately in like places like india it's still spreading and causing a lot of damage but mm-hmm. at least in some of the other countries we're starting to see some kind of normalcy back starting to get some kind of ways of how it was back then like, yeah. at least the good parts of it and it might be more promising for the next season because you know more fans you know getting back to normal yeah and you know i, I think even for financial sakes now people won't be freaking out it's like can we can we buy him can we afford their wages it's like kind of this point you get your fans back yeah so no for sure and i think uh as more people get vaccinated stuff hopefully we can see more of uh more fans and stuff because places in the u.s mercedes-benz um stadium which is the home of atlanta united they recently announced that they're allowing full capacity and i think they just had a home game recently where they had a full capacity crowd um during covid i think it was one of the first stadiums to do that or yeah i think it was one of the first stadiums to allow like full capacity um like full like soccer stadium to allow full capacity um so it was really cool and i think um a lot of teams, like especially in Europe, but also in the U.S., have been lifting their restrictions because even in hockey for the Stanley Cup playoffs, a lot of teams that are hosting um, their games, they're allowing a small percentage of fans to come into the stadium to cheer on the team and everything. So, uh, I think it's I think it's, it's it's looking good, and hopefully, like the direction can continue because it was so so nice to hear those fans. And what was also interesting is I, I recently got done watching the All or Nothing um, documentary about Tottenham Hotspur. Um, for Jose Mourinho this past season. And obviously during the middle of that recording, um, COVID hit. And you know how in the TV broadcast, we hear the artificial crowd noise and the, you know, those chants and everything. Well, the players actually don't hear that. The players just hear dead silence and it's just them talking to each other or their manager screaming at them and such. So I can't imagine for the players how good it must feel to have actual crowd noise and to kind of have you know, if you're the home team, have someone cheering you on, or if you're the away team, maybe feeding off like the banter from the other, other crowd. Um, it, it must just be really nice for the players to finally have some sort of real type of energy and real, um, noise coming in. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, yesterday we can't really relate, you know, yeah. we're not, <laughs> we're not professional, professional players. players. Yeah. But even when like, when I play like rec or like when I played, you know, things like that, it'd be like, if there's like a, a game that's like away and like no parents are there, it's like, it kind of sucks. <laughs> it's like, man, we got no one cheering for us. We only got the other team's parents just yelling at us. It's like, it's like, get this small kid, like someone mark him. <laughs> so like kind of things like that. But you yeah. know, the crowd is something else. And 
for your point, yes, also about like the Atlanta United thing. I think Atlanta United, it's it's there's multiple tiers in the Mercedes Benz Stadium. So it's like you know, you got lower deck and you got second level mm-hmm. and you got third level because American stadiums are stupid crazy. <laughs> but literally, they would always see you know like shove off like the third level, like the nosebleeds occasionally just for like capacity and just cleaning. Yeah. But I think the the number that I saw the, for the capacity was like forty thousand. Yeah. And according to some statistic that I read, which is on the internet, which it's got to be right. It was <laughs> the highest capacity game that was played since March of 2019. Dang. Wait, no, that's, was it, that's incorrect. No, largest March of 2020. Indoor, largest March indoor? of 2020. Yeah. Or just in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it was like COVID-19 that started. No, no, no. It's March of 2020. That's when we started the quarantine. So like literally right before it. So it's been a yeah. year and two months. Dang. We finally hit it's a record. It's just been really, it's just been really cool seeing a lot of um, other sports leagues too, just outside of soccer. Also, as we mentioned, opening up their stadiums to fans and everything. So mm-hmm. hopefully, this trend can continue because, as we know, this time last year we were not having any football. We were just uh, waiting for uh, the project restart to happen. Yeah, so. we're just sitting here like, what's what's going on? I guess <laughs> we're watching Bundesliga because <laughs> they started back. Oh man, but yeah, it's it's been crazy seeing how this year has gone by. But it was definitely a very very good sign to see fans, and um, you know, I, I can't say enough. It, it just made me so excited to hear the fan noise, and like Tyler mentioned, you just kind of you take for granted how how many times we just saw fans in a packed packed stadium cheering on, and like when those crazy moments happening, when you see the fans going crazy. Like one of my favorite things about fans being in the stadium, um, wherever team you support, whenever the um, home team player is going on the wing about to like cross or like he's approaching the penalty box of the opposition team you can see like the people near him or people in the stands basically rise up to their feet they're all like basically getting ready to stand up because they want to see what this winger is about to do and that to me has always been one of my favorite things about fans is like seeing that and it's so nice that we were able to see a little bit of that uh this past weekend with the with the games going on but um, big takeaway was just seeing the fans back in the stadium was a huge deal. And it was so, so, so nice to hear. But um, I guess moving on to the FA Cup final, which is a big game, but that got overshadowed by fans coming back, but also Allison scoring a game winner. Um, Leicester getting their first FA Cup title in their club's history, beating Chelsea 1-0. Kind of a boring game. To be honest, Chelsea got robbed by VAR a couple of times, but Tielemans, um basically scoring a very, very well-placed and very controlled and calm long shot. And that was basically what won the game for Leicester City. I think Leicester, to me, when I watched the game, were the better team for most of the game. I think Chelsea, they they came out with a kind of a weirdish lineup. They didn't play Ben Shilwell. Um, you know, they, they, they didn't play like some of their star players that kind of rested them. So maybe that was too cool. Maybe saying, not forget the FA Cup, but um, let's prioritize finishing in the top four and getting ready for Champions League final. But for Leicester, this is huge because literally underdogs to win the Premier League title. And I wouldn't say complete underdogs like they were to win in 2015-16, but a lot of people didn't think they were going to win the FA Cup, especially under with Brendan Rodgers and this being a younger team. But they overcame all the obstacles and uh, won their first Premier, or won their first FA Cup title in uh, for, you know their in club's history. history, which is nice. Yeah. On the fifth try, too. Yeah. It took five tries. Exactly. Imagine that. You got that pressure of being the team is like, all right, is he going to make it a fifth L or is he going to finally break the duct? 
And it was like a very emotional game for this too, because you know the owner was the son of the late. I'm gonna butcher his name, but it's like Sribadana Prava. Yeah, yeah, Sribadana Prava. And this is a very emotional game for like the owners too, because it's like, man, they finally got another piece of silverware post that accident, the tragic accident. And it was a lot of emotion too, because you know there was even Wes Morgan. Yeah, he, <laughs> he came onto the pitch in the oh, last I, I 10 minutes, scored an still, own goal. I, I but, didn't even know he still played for the team. I was like, my man, he's like, he's still kicking it. But he, like, his luckily, his own goal was disallowed due to an offside in the buildup. But that was that was a lot of going on because even when they're lifting that trophy, it was Schmeichel giving the other side of the handle of the trophy to Wes Morgan so they can both lift it at the same time. <laughs> And then bringing on the, the owner from the stands to celebrate with yeah. the team. Like, that was crazy. Like, I felt like seeing those kind of scenes, I was like, I'm glad Leicester won. Because, you know, the Chelsea celebration would not have been the same. They would have been like, yes, of course, we win trophies. We're, we're Chelsea. But for Leicester, like, this meant so much to them. Yeah. And, and then was, you had the stalwarts from the Premier League title, like uh, Albrighton was there, Jamie Vardy, Schmeichel, mm-hmm. obviously, um, Wes Morgan, Um yeah, there's just those stalwarts that have been there for since like the Premier League season. They've held on. And what was also interesting was in the Super League um, in Turkey, Besiktas won, uh, won the title. But they won the title purely based on a loanee, a Leicester City, a former Leicester City player, uh, Remy Gazal. Um, I believe he scored a winning goal or assisted the winning goal, um, which helped um, Besiktas win their uh, league title. And I thought that was just very kind of full circle moment because this was a guy that came in to replace Riyad Mahrez. Didn't really work out, obviously, but now he went over and basically the same day that Leicester won the FA Cup, he pulled off a um, some magic to help Besiktas win their league title. So I thought that was a very, very coincidental, but also very, very interesting to see happening. I think even Besiktas, like their title win was insane because they were tied on points with Galatasaray. Yeah, they literally won on one goal differential. Yeah, they, they scored one more goal than Galatasaray. Or at least had one, you know, more goal differential yeah, than Galatasaray they, and they won. Yeah, but she, I have it up right now. Besiktas, 45 goal differential. Galatasaray, 44 goal differential. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's why every goal counts that you score, even in garbage time, and every goal you don't concede also counts too. Mm-hmm. So in the long run, it could be this 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 close. And even for like the Premier League too, we'll, we'll discuss the top four battle later, but... Like this is this is like there's all those little margins mm-hmm. that matter in the in the long run. But even for this game, I would say to kind of also kind of mention like the crowd. I felt like the crowd there was twenty thousand in the stadium, and I felt like they were a lot louder than just twenty thousand to the yeah. point where I felt like the refs could have been influenced by the crowd themselves. Like I like I would have been scared. Like I realized I was like, man, the crowd actually does a lot. And kind of influencing the referee's decisions at some points. Cause like there's certain parts where like whenever a player would go down, the whole crowd would go crazy. And whereas when you go back the days, like literally a month ago when there's no crowd, whenever a player goes down, it's like, all right, he's just, you know, he's on the ground. But now like every single time, like yeah. every little thing that could be a foul, like someone like blew a kiss onto someone or like someone like blew into someone's hair, like something like that. <laughs> Or you just like, literally nudge someone with their arm. It's like, oh, that's a foul. Someone like <laughs> someone goes off in the crowd, and I, I completely forgot about things like that. Those little nuances. Yeah. and that's but, that's what I said. I think um, these small crowds, since they haven't been there to support their team for so long, 
they're going to be as loud. They're going to be standing all the time. They're going to be literally a student section, um, literally student <laughs> section on overdose. Like they're literally going to be standing and cheering 24 seven as long as they can while the game's going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that had anything to do with the buildup to Telemann's ultimate long shot game winner goal, because apparently I, in my opinion, I don't think it was a handball, but like it was a deflected, interception from Iosi Perez which went to Telemans who just ripped it from like 30 35 yards out into the top left corner Kepa couldn't re- I don't know why Kepa started but he Kepa started for the Chelsea goalie position and then he just couldn't reach that top right corner of his and you know Telemans is he played the game of his life because in the revert or in the, yeah basically in the reverse fixture just Three days later, Telemans had a terrible game. <laughs> so I think there was a lot going into this Leicester team. Like everyone just felt like they're in for it. And even Johnny Evans, the captain. He got hurt. The main center back yeah, of Leicester. He got hurt in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. He did not go into this game fully healthy. But it kind of goes to show. It's like they lost their captain. They lost their star center back. And they everyone stepped up and they you know got the dub. And Chelsea, not the best starting 11 in my opinion. They kept like... Players like Pulisic on the bench. Kai didn't start. Like Kai Havertz didn't play. As you just mentioned, like Ben Chilwell didn't play. And like Mendy didn't play. I felt like that was a huge one. Yeah. But, you know, they at least play Conte. But I was wondering, I was like, man, I don't know if Tuchel got this one right. Mm-hmm. Like they both had good chances in the first half. But just like second half, it was all Leicester, I felt like. Until yeah. the final 10 minutes, then Chelsea decided to put everyone that was a, an attacking player on the mm-hmm. pitch. But, you know, sure enough, Leicester... They got their first their, their first FA Cup in their history. And Chelsea, one of three things that could win, you know, the FA Cup top four and the Champions League final. They lost one. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe they can lose all two. They, lose they can all get three. a hat trick of this disappointment. <laughs> but I, as I said on the previous episode, I think they'll get at least one. Maybe it's, it's top four at this rate. It's guaranteed unless they lose and then Leicester and... Um, Liverpool win, yeah, and then like they can still drop out of top four theoretically, but I don't think so. I think they can, they'll get through. But yeah, and um, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, it was a good, it was a good win for Leicester, but it was interesting because um, Chelsea did really well, or they helped their top four odds a lot after in the reverse fixture, literally three days later, as Tyler mentioned, beating Leicester City two one, and that game Leicester City looked very flat. Like Chelsea looked like they were on a revenge mission to, um, basically make. Make amends for losing the FA Cup final. They looked more sharper. They looked more fit. They looked like they had more energy. They looked like they honestly had more drive to win the game. And what was also interesting was, I forgot to mention this, after the FA Cup final, during the celebrations, post-locker room celebrations, Daniel Marte, a Leicester City midfielder, you know, in the pregame, when the captains hand each other their respective badges, um, the little pennants, yeah, the pennants, yeah. Like yeah, little, the pennants. little flag things. Yeah, so Leicester City obviously got a Chelsea one and then Chelsea got a Leicester City one, but Amarty um, in the post-game locker room celebrations took the Chelsea one and like I think threw it on the ground. Um, yeah, he just threw dis- it behind him. Yeah, disrespected it. And um, less, since then, I think Amarty or Leicester City have apologized for that incident. But the Chelsea players, you could definitely tell they um, they they didn't um, they didn't respect that. And it was funny because the uh, Chelsea fans were booing uh, Marte, um, anytime he touched the ball when he was playing. And what was also interesting was in that game, 
Um, I think there was an incident. I think it was with Amarte, but there was a, a, a kind of a bust up happening and Rudiger basically stormed in and was about to like throw some hands. And you could definitely tell the Chelsea players were kind of ticked off at the at the Leicester City players for that for that incident. And I think that probably played a big factor in terms of why um, Chelsea were so motivated to win this game for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. That Premier League reverse fixture where it was 2-1 and like Chelsea were dominant for majority of the game. Leicester didn't get their first shot on target till like the 70th minute. Yeah. And it was just, it was disappointing for me because I was like, all right, please draw. But, you know, Leicester is pretty hungover. I'm not going to lie. And <laughs> Kylian Mons especially. I was like, man, this guy, where were you? <laughs> Where's the one that was playing over the weekend? This is not the same one. This is someone who gets hired to play as Kylian Mons to play this game. But literally... This game, I felt like Leicester, they're starting to get a comeback in it at the very last minute when they subbed on Ian Nacho and then, you know, started getting more attacking momentum. And that final, you know, jostle with Rudiger, I felt like it was somewhat tactical because I was like, all right, they have five minutes at a time to, you know, get a result. And then like Chelsea on their back foot, like the, for the rest of that game. And this wasted so much time. And the, the team, that Leicester team is made of, of like a decent amount of young players too, you know. They're gonna get it. They're gonna get it. And you know, Schmeichel was like, "Hey, y'all, please stop." <laughs> so you didn't say y'all, but you know, it's just yeah. like this is time wasting. This is not for our benefit. This is what Chelsea wants to make sure they close out this game with the win. It's and funny sure enough, it kind of worked to their favor. It, it's literally funny because uh, uh, literally that 2015-16 season, it was a young Tottenham team that Chelsea got under their skins and basically ruined their title chances and allowed Leicester City to win. And Chelsea pretty much played the same card again by getting under neath a young Leicester City skin and riling them up mm-hmm. just to guarantee the win but you know I kind of I think I think I mentioned in the last podcast too I was like whoever wins the FA Cup is going to lose the Premier League game just because of just celebrations and just the aftermaths of that mm-hmm. and it came true yeah it's it's so. hard it's it was it was, it was going to be hard whoever won that game to win the next game because the motivation has to be there the getting off the high of winning the FA Cup I mean it was going to be a tough task but as Tyler mentioned it was the he made the right call and I think you actually went 3 for 3 on prediction I did <laughs> I should have mentioned <laughs> that first, earlier but yeah he went one a of the first times 3 for 3 which is pretty cool from scoreline to who was going to win and everything like that too yeah. the only thing I think I got wrong was like it was going to go to extra time which it didn't mm-hmm. but I was like okay no, I'll take it I'll yeah. take I think that's like one of the first times at least for me, I think you did it once. Yeah. At least this season, even that you got a three for three. But there we go. Predictions, yeah. mate. Man. Predictions. Uh, OP. You know, it, it would be funny if someone, if there was a way you could place a bet on Allison scoring a goal in the West Brom game. I really it probably wonder, was. I probably wonder how much you would have made if you put like $10 on Allison scoring. How much? Probably would be won. insane odds. It'd yeah. probably be like one, like um, not like Leicester winning the title level, like one in 5,000. Probably be like one in 2,000. Yeah. That's like, still who, like that's good. never going to happen. That's so pretty good. Like, imagine being like the fool that was like, you know what? I'm gonna just, I have some extra money. Let me just chuck a dollar in there and see what happens. You'd be up a thousand dollars, which is crazy. I know. And then you just, (laughs) but then that same fool would also put that same dollar. (laughs) (laughs) It just fuel. He'll put. Yeah, I just feel that kind of bad habit. So I mean, Uh no one's really sane doing this kind of betting, but you know. We're just doing this for free. Yeah. <laughs> Our predictions are free. Yes. We lose money or we lose zero monies, but we also gain we zero. We just lose money. our pride. Yeah, just pride. <laughs> we just, that's, that's what we shell out. Oh, man. Oh. But uh, <laughs> beyond the results, there were some very interesting storylines that came up um, for 
I guess some bigger news in the Premier League. Um, not talking about the main striker for Tottenham, but um, a legend, I would say a legendary head coach for um, that's been in the Premier League, Roy Hodgson, um, announced this past week that he will actually be retiring at the end of the season. And obviously, he's well-known coach. He was a manager of Liverpool at one point. Manager of Crystal mm-hmm. Palace was a manager of the England national team. So he's had a well-documented and storied career. Um, it was actually really cool because um, Crystal Palace and... Don't remember who they were playing today. The team is escaping me, but they actually gave uh, Roy Hodgson a little guard of honor um, before as he was entering his last home game with Crystal Palace. So I thought that was a really cool gesture um, from both teams and obviously the fans supporting him. But as we all know, Roy Hodgson, I think, has been Crystal Palace manager since the 2017-18 season when they sacked um, Frank DeBoer after five or six <laughs> games. But as Jose Mourinho said, the worst manager in Premier League history Six defeats, zero goals scored, like awful manager. But Roy Hodgson, Tyler mentioned this, has been, you know, along with Zaha, has kind of been the main man and the main reason Crystal Palace have managed to stay up in the Premier League this many years uh, because a lot of times their squad hasn't looked too good outside of Zaha, outside of Wilfred Zaha and maybe Andre Ayew and, or Jordan Ayew, there's not yeah, Jordan, much. Yeah. yeah, there's not much there in that squad, and somehow Roy Hodgson has found a way to um, get enough wins to stay up and keep them promoted. So it'll be interesting to see where Palace go um, for their next manager because they have to get it right. Otherwise, they're a team that's very success susceptible or very prone. Yeah. Yes, can't get the word out. Very prone to going down because they they will go down because they don't have enough quality in that squad to stay up on just with any manager. I feel like I made this analogy before once with like Newcastle where I was like you kind of when you're a Premier League player you can see what teams kind of align with like your values it's like if you're one of those high intensity like play your heart out kind of players like you know and you want to win as many trophies as you can you go to like you know the top six so so the so-called top six I should say because just like certain teams like Tottenham and Arsenal are in it right now but if you want to be on a team that's kind of you know, just level playing field. You're going to play in the Premier League every single season. You'll get that Premier League paycheck. It's not really high pressure. You're not really going to get relegated. You don't really have that fear, but then you also don't really have the expectation of reaching European football every single season. You know, you're just kind of cruising. Like I, I kind of picked that as like a Newcastle kind of team. And then you kind of get those kind of Newcastle-esque players on that team. Crystal Palace is kind of like in the same realm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I always picked Crystal Palace yeah. And some of our early predictions to get relegated because on paper, their players and the results from the previous season alone, it looks like they're trending down. It always looks like, oh, they're probably the team to get relegated. You know, they don't score that many goals. They concede, you know, almost equal amount that they score. Yeah. Other players kind of are like that. old too. Like they don't have a yeah, lot. But- Besides Eze, they don't have a bunch of young talent there. And then I was like, if, if Zaha goes down, they're effed. I, like they're literally just out the door. Like they have no one else. So <laughs> they got you know, like they put like so Milivojevic much... or like thirty-four-year-old Milivojevic. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> yeah, and then you know Benteke, out of nowhere, just comes Townsend, just come back from like the grave. old, you know, washed mm-hmm. up Townsend on the on the wings. You know, Gwaitz has been pretty good in keeper. Like yeah. that's been pretty good, and like you know, little things like that. But there's it's always Crystal Palace being a team that's like ah. Uh, I don't know how they're still in it, but like they're putting a lot of emphasis and trust on Roy Hodgson and Wilfred Zaha just to build around them because like Zaha can always go. And then it's like, well, they got nothing now. Like their main cent- like centerpiece is gone. And then like low key, Roy Hodgson has done a really good job making me look like a fool <laughs> on the podcast. Because I'm 
because like little things from even a project restart right at the end of project restart i think he went zero and eight the very uh, at project restart because he's like yeah, all right we're not, not getting good. relegated he's not he That's, didn't they didn't have a very good project restart yeah and i was thinking i was like well maybe just don't care because like they know they're not going to get relegated they know they're not going to get european spot they're just there you know so they don't get fined <laughs> i feel like that kind of mentality is what roy hodgson had was just like all right the goal is just to not get relegated let's just get to that point and then after that we can do whatever we want <laughs> and he was really good at making sure every player i feel like was on the same page where they're like all right let's just get what we have to do done and then we're set like we can just cruise the rest of the season and that's basically what they're doing right now yeah they're just like all right we can just lose against arsenal today but it doesn't matter it's just like we're, we're safe and that kind of mentality is not easy to keep because it's really hard, as we previously mentioned, to stay in the Premier League consistently, no matter what team you're at. Because like even Stoke City at one point, they're at like the West Ham Everton level, in my opinion, where they're always mid-table, like 10th, 9th, 11th, things like that. But then after one season, they just got relegated. Yeah, they And it's really set. easy just to like slip. And losing a manager like Roy Hodgson... Who was fun fact the manager of Liverpool when I started becoming when I started following Liverpool in like 2010. Yeah. So like he was one of the first managers I ever watched as well. But like his kind of thinking, he's like a really old man too. He's like 70. Yeah. <laughs> so like he he knows his way around. Like he knows the Premier League like the back of his hand, and he knows his Crystal Palace team really well. So whoever, as you just said, they come in to replace Roy Hodgson is going to be a key factor because. You know, if they pick the wrong guy or woman, like you never know. Mm -hmm. I, you, I wouldn't be surprised if you see me in the next season's predictions of who gets relegated if I put Crystal Palace in there again. <laughs> yeah. No, it's something that they need to get right because they had the luxury of kind of banking on a very Hall of Fame-esque um, Premier League head coach and manager that's been there and done that throughout his entire uh, resume and CV because, you know, not too long ago, they had Alan Pardew um, and that guy was not, uh, yeah, the one dancing... He was dancing in the FA Cup final after, uh, what was his name? Um, that midfielder that scored for them. Oh, what was his name? No, uh, his name is escaping me. It's uh, not Kabai, is it? It wasn't no. Kabai. It was, um, uh, well, it was, you know, he did play under, Kabai did play under him when he was at Newcastle, mm -hmm. right? Alan Pardew at Newcastle? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know but what? I, I can't just, remember the I name. I just remember, wasn't it Juan Mata that scored right after? It, it was <laughs> like, uh, oh no, it was uh, Fellaini. Oh. <laughs> it was like Juan Mata scored like a, and like he chipped it up or whatever, then Fellaini got like a really terrible snapshot, I think. Or no. This is like a quick fire. Because I, I remember Jesse Lingard, because I remember that final. I remember Jesse Lingard scoring the screamer to win it. And I think it would have been, I think it was Juan Mata, because I think the semifinals, Marwan Fellaini scored against Everton. And then Martial scored the winner against Everton. So I think you're right. Um, that was that was an insane final because that meme is all I really remember. Yeah, just <laughs> where it's like, don't celebrate too soon. Like that was like a life lesson: never celebrate too soon. Because that was imagine, Alan Party right I imagine, there. I can't imagine the team talk you must have had. Like, like at the end of the game, it's like, Mill. It's just like the players are coming in. They're just seeing the TV. It's like Sky Sports, and it's just they just see their manager dancing after they win one nil. Like, oh, bro. We got Don in looking like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But uh, like we said, I think Crystal Palace they, they need to get the uh, they need to get the manager right, and who that is, we uh, we don't know. But we'll see what they do. But some of the other big news that happened was Harry Kane um, coming out of the Tottenham camp. Harry Kane has reportedly um, had a meeting with Daniel Levy where he has said that he wants to leave 
Tottenham, and he has made it clear that he wants to leave, and he's basically handing in a transfer request, And but he wants to remain in the Premier League. That's his wish, is, is to leave Tottenham, but remain in the Premier League. And the Tottenham board have essentially, the reports have been like, they don't want to sell him. Um, but if they do sell him, it's going to be a very, very high fee in order to get um, Harry Kane out of Tottenham. And there's not many clubs that can afford his wages and also that transfer fee. And uh, luckily, there are a couple of teams in the Premier League that possibly can. And one of the teams that's been heavily linked to him, or I would say it seems like they're probably going to be the favorites to sign him are Man- Manchester City um, because Sergio Aguero will be leaving um, the club after this season. Gabriel Jesus, as we always said, is we don't know if he's like the actual number nine. It'll be a huge move if a Harry Kane were to go to Manchester City because that is a Van Persie-esque move right there to leave your club, leave the club to go win some trophies. <laughs> and like logistically too, like you don't really think about it, but Aguero's would leave the number 10 vacant and Harry yeah. Kane wears the number 10. And what I've learned from sports is that you can't really switch numbers after a year because it's really hard to you have to buy all the inventory apparently of all the the numbers that you had from the previous year before you switch numbers that's why i like certain players like i think lebron james and anthony davis they couldn't switch numbers mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> because it's like well anthony it's like we can't just buy all the 23s of lebron there's so many so you have <laughs> to just wear the three this season it's like all right fine but i mean for this move itself the equivalent i would say in terms of not even like a soccer equivalent it'd be like Aaron Rodgers trying to move off of the Packers right now because literally Harry Kane is having like an MVP year. He's the top goal scorer, at least tied for it right now. Yeah, and the leading assist in the Golden maker. Boot race, and he's the top assist maker in the Premier League. So he has both. He's literally like the best player. The only thing he doesn't have is just most clean sheets. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> Which is yeah. goalie. Yeah. So literally, this in itself, and he's an England player, so he yeah. has a lot of that. You know. In, I don't even know if it's like a tax or like a luxury or something yeah. where it's like if you have the nationality of your domestic league, then it's just for some reason more expensive. Mm-hmm. And also he's in his prime. Yeah. So this is the best Harry Kane you're going to get. This is like, and like it's, it's not going to get too much better. It's not going to, it's just going to get a little bit worse, but like this is the best Harry Kane yeah, version of him you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be worth, I think, according to all the rumors, it's at least 120 million pounds. Yeah, yeah like close to 150. Something and like that, like Mbappe level monies. It's going to be crazy to see where he actually ends up. I, you know, I, I really like Harry Kane because it's hard not to like him because he doesn't do anything where you can't like him. Like he's a very nice person in general. Like he, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't really cheat. He doesn't really cheat the game. Like he just does what he has to do. Like he follows rules from every manager. Jose Mourinho is a big fan of him. Pochettino is a big fan of him. England national team Gareth Southgate is a big fan of him. All of his teammates really like him. He's a good teammate. He's a perfect professional. And, you know, that's why it's hard for me to not root for him because I I want him to win trophies because he's one of the best strikers I've ever seen like really pure up there with Lewandowski, Benzema-esque strikers in terms of quality, but he just hasn't won anything because this club isn't capable of winning anything. Um, Sorry, Tottenham fans, but it's just the truth. Um, But I have heard um, 
I, you know, I, I hope he goes, but it's just, you know, as a United fan, it would be cool to have him, but we just signed Cavani for an extension. It just doesn't, it wouldn't really make any logical sense to get a striker of Harry Kane when you just re-sign Cavani and you have other priorities that need to be met. And, you know, other teams like Chelsea, they just splashed a ton of money on Timo Werner last season. Obviously, they're a club known for splashing money and then just keep splashing money. Maybe they go for him, but again, they splashed a lot of money in Timo Werner. Liverpool, as Tyler mentioned, that would be a, a decent fit because they are looking... They probably need to get a striker because uh, Firmino has shown that he's just not capable of scoring 20-plus goals. But uh, Manchester City, to me, it just seems like it might happen just because they have the funds, A, like they're not worried about money. They have probably a problem with strikers because Sergio Aguero is leaving. They need someone to replace Aguero. And I think there's been reports that Kane would be keen to like work under Pep Guardiola. Um, and, you know, Kane working under him, he's probably going to score as many goals and probably assist as many um, that he was getting under Mourinho. So to me, it just seems like the match is there with um, Manchester City. But it, I, I just um, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Tottenham are actually would be willing to sell him. I think at the same time, too, it kind of relates back to that Aaron Rodgers analogy where not only whoever team picks him up, he's they're getting like an MVP player, but it's going to be a lot for the team that wants to get him. They have to give up a lot in terms of just yeah. value alone, because like not every team can afford Harry Kane. Yeah. Only the superstar teams can barely afford Harry Kane. Yeah. Because like that's what I was saying, too. I was like, it's going to be hard for Kane to even leave because like who can afford him? Yeah, and, and it's not like people, in Spain where you get a release clause like that doesn't exist in England. You can, you don't have a release clause like you have to negotiate with the club, and the club is going to mm-hmm. demand at least 120 million or upwards for Harry Kane. Right. So like, I, as much as I want him to go to Liverpool because <laughs> I, we really need a striker, please. Man, you guys like if you sign him, you guys are not signing anyone. <laughs> yeah, we're not signing anyone else. But honestly, like that's one of the few positions we really need besides maybe more. Nah, eh, I was going to say center backs is like ah. Uh, Nah, we should definitely get a center back. But um, <laughs> at least for this, like he would also be able to fit the system too because he, we've learned this season he can play deep. Like he literally played like not even at center attacking mid. He played below that, like center mid even. He would yeah, see like him at the Wayne halfway Rooney-esque. line. Like, yeah, like Wayne Rooney-esque, except if Wayne Rooney was a little taller and <laughs> pronounced things that you can't really understand. But literally... <laughs> Harry Kane, he's still in his prime. Like he literally yeah. is doing a little bit of everything, and that's a very rare player to kind of have on your team. So yeah, and it's it, it was and when I heard the news, it was actually kind of shocking because Harry Kane is not the type of player ever to ever kind of go outspoken with the media in terms of calling out managers or calling out teammates. Like he's pretty, you know, you don't really know what's going on with him. For him to make like this move of actually going to Daniel Levy's office and saying like, "Hey, I want to move in my career." That's pretty big news because this is not something very common for him. And I've also heard this other side of the story where if no one can afford Harry Kane, maybe Harry Kane plays out the rest of his Tottenham contract. And when he leaves Tottenham, he's maybe, what, probably 30, 31. And at that point, he probably is basically going to choose the team that is closest to winning any type of title, whether that's European uh, Champions League or, you know, a league title and basically kind of rides. I wouldn't say the coattails like he he would still be a very top striker, but basically um, would kind of come in and play his bit part pieces um, with another team if uh, no team can kind of afford his contract, which, you know, it might be the case where no team could really 
genuinely afford his transfer transfer fee that Tottenham will be asking. There's also some writing on the walls for just Tottenham in general, where it's like, all right, I guess. Because if he leaves, Son is definitely for sure leaving. Like, There's no reason why Son would even want to stay at that point. That's true. And then also on top of that, which manager would want to come in and manage yeah. a team like this? Like There's literally, a, if you lose Kane, I'm saying this team, you, you potentially lose Son. But at the same time, this team drops to like an Everton level tier team where it's just like you don't really get and relegated like, and there's no european football like that also affects like the yes. quality of manager you can bring in as well yeah you're not gonna be able to bring in you know a nigelsman or something like that like, yeah or allegri or someone like that yeah someone like that so i think maybe harry kane unless he had a really bad fallout with uh ryan mason or something <laughs> <His> <laughs> the interim manager i think maybe he knows something that maybe the media doesn't know where it's like all oh, the ambitions aren't there for tottenham it's just like something like he doesn't think he's going to win it a trophy at Tottenham for the rest of his career there, or they're not really going in a direction that he likes because as like, I think we had previously mentioned too, for them to get back into contention, to be fighting for trophies and things like that. I feel like they're the revamp majority of their team. Yeah. Like it's not gonna be like, Oh, you can buy one or two. It's like, no, you gotta buy like another whole half of like a team. defense, a whole defense, like you know? whole defense. Loris is not getting any younger. He's getting exactly. older. Like their whole team is aging and, you know, it must be very hard for Harry Kane because this was the team that gave him his professional chance of really becoming a true... I obviously, he had loan spells at Leicester City and other places, but Tottenham were the first team to give him, like, that legitimate chance. And, he, you know, he kind of ran with it. And um, it, it's been really cool because when I started watching the Premier League, that's when Harry Kane broke into the scene. And it's just been really cool seeing him develop and become this top, 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 top striker. But... You know, this is a club that he's loved and like it's part of the he's been part of the academy and everything. So it must be really hard for him to make this move. But it just kind of shows. Unfortunately for Tottenham fans, it just kind of shows the state of like where the club is, where your best player, your homegrown player, the player that has loved this club and the player that this was the club that gave him his opportunity to shine as a professional. He kind of sees the writing in the wall where he's like, you know what, I don't think. I can win much here, or I don't think I can win anything at all here. It might be time for me to go. That's kind of a huge indictment of where Tottenham are um, currently as a as a club. And you know, you know, if they do sell them, they're gonna have to use the money a lot better than they what they used for Gareth Bale when they bought like Soldado. Then they bought you know Lamella. I mean, they bought Ericsson, which was a good buy. But who else did they bring bring in for that money? I know they Paulinho? bought. Yeah, they brought Paulinho. I remember that. So they're just going to have to make much better decisions with their money if they do sell him because they're going to have a ton of it. They're just got to make good decisions with it. They just got to rebuild, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm still sticking to that. They got to rebuild. And, you know, they can get all the funding now if they just sell everyone. But also at the same time, if you're on the Tottenham team, you're not going to be wanting a rebuild. It's like you came to Tottenham to win Mm -hmm. or like even compete for European spots. So if you see that's why they brought Jose Mourinho. They brought yeah, it's like, oh, now. mate, I did not sign up for this. And then you might see more people trying to leave. So, I don't know. You have to be very careful about that rebuild. But in an ideal world, I think you should. But even at the same time, I'm not a scout or anything, but there's not really any player I can think of right now that can be like, ah, oh, yes, that will be the new cornerstone of the team that we can just pick up. I don't really think there's that kind of player right now that's yeah. even available. It's not like a Dwell Felix, like Erling Holland staying at Dortmund. Not going to get Mbappe. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. There's not really a player you can really do that with either. That's like yeah. a guarantee, almost a guarantee. Like, all right, this is going to be a superstar. Just build around him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're but, right. Um, it's definitely a little tough right there. And then also the transfer market is a little dry because of COVID and everything. But exactly. Yeah. Tottenham have a lot of questions. And I for sure am glad that I don't have Daniel Levy's job because uh, that's going to be a lot of like sleepless nights for him probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no bueno. Like, with the thought of Harry Kane leaving. But that's kind of the situation going on with Harry Kane. We'll obviously see next week if it evolves or obviously in the summer we'll you know, we'll all see like well, eventually what happens with that. But um, before we enter our preview section, we just wanted to quickly mention the top four battle because it's getting very interesting because it's literally coming down to championship Sunday, this Sunday. What we have right now, the current order of the top four, United and City are confirmed top two. City winning the, winning the league, United confirmed for the second place. But for the third and fourth spot, we have Chelsea currently sitting in third place at 67 points with a plus 23 goal differential. Then Liverpool in fourth place with 66 points with a plus 24 goal differential. And then finally, we have Leicester City sitting at 66 points tied with Liverpool, but with only a plus 20 goal differential. And this is really important because in Championship Sunday, Leicester City played Tottenham. That's not an easy game by any stretch of the any any means. And then Liverpool, I believe they play... Uh, who do they play? Tyler? Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, exactly. And they have it in my notes. I don't know why I didn't look at it, but Liverpool are playing Crystal Palace. So essentially, all Liverpool have to do to secure top four is just win. If they win, they're in. That's that's as simple as it gets. If they win, they're in. And yeah, it's just Liverpool have somehow managed to put their fate in their own hands. And it's quite incredible, really. Mm-hmm. And even for Leicester, too, they're not out of it because, yeah. as we mentioned before, Chelsea could lose, and then Leicester could win. Yeah, and Chelsea, and we're 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 gonna preview those because those are the three biggest matches going into Championship Sunday. But mm. the, the top four race is just insane. Yeah, and literally these last two spots, they're up for grabs for these remaining three teams, mm-hmm. and those are our three teams we're about to preview right now. Yeah. So here we yeah. go. So the first one we have Leicester City versus Tottenham. Obviously, during Championship Sunday, all these games happen at the same time, which is brings on the craziness factor of it. But this is a Leicester City versus Tottenham game, and I feel like Brendan Rodgers will get his side psyched up for it. But, man, it's tough because there's also the pressure of, I think, you know, he's going to psych them up of like, okay, we have to win. But a part of Brendan Rodgers' team talk has to be, okay, this is kind of what the situation is. If we want to get Champions League football, we have to think about winning by more than four goals. And when you kind of get in the situation like that, you kind of go into the game just going gung-ho from the start. Because you're trying to win, but you're also trying to score as many goals as possible. And when you do that, I feel like your concentration can slip up a lot because you're just so caught up in the moment of scoring goals. And you also run the risk of having your defense exposed. And it's going to be really tough. I think, you know, Leicester City will beat Tottenham. I think they will beat Tottenham, but I think it'll only be a scoreline of like two to one. It's just going to be really hard for me to see them scoring more than four past the Tottenham team. That's that's really that's going to be really hard to do. I feel like this Tottenham team just I've been conditioned by, you know, good friend listener Sung Min that this team will always disappoint. And that's literally what I make fun of Tottenham fans for is like this team just kind of be there to disappoint. That trophy cabinet will always be empty. <laughs> and this is going to be Harry Kane's last game. And he's going to score your goal and maybe lose out to Salah on the golden boot. <laughs> but I think Tottenham are going to put up a fight. I don't think they're going to win. I feel like Leicester half so much more heart going into this game is so much more on the line than just one player's accolades like Kane, like Kane's. So I think Leicester, they're going to go gung-ho and they have to because they don't have 
Evans, I believe, still at center back. And yeah. if he is back, it will still be, you know, 80%, 70% Johnny Evans. So I think they have to play attack to play defense, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a high scoring. It's going to be a 3 2 because it's Championship Sunday, mate. It's yeah. going to be where everything just hits the wall. Everything hits the fan. This is where he just gets crazy. And I think it's going to be a 3 2 to Leicester. Oh, that would be a really fun game to watch, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going 2-1. I think we're both kind of predicting good scoring, a good game. Um, but I think we both predict that it's going to be really hard for Leicester to make up that goal differential gap. So they're going to hope that Liverpool or Chelsea lose. And then the next game, we have Lister, Liverpool versus um, Crystal Palace. Um, as we all know, the famous Cristian Bull from, you know, a uh, couple seasons no. back. Actually, not a couple seasons, you know, probably six seasons or seven seasons now. Mm-hmm. But... Oddly enough, Liverpool now have this destiny of finishing in the top four in their hands. They have to win. If they win, they're in. Um, Liverpool, Crystal Palace, last game, going back to Anfield. Um, This will be really, really fun to watch because Roy Hodgson is returning to Anfield in front of a stadium packed with, you know, a small percentage of fans. It'll be interesting to see the reception he receives, but Liverpool are going to be in a must-win mode, and I think... Um, what they've shown the past couple of weeks is that they've been able to handle the pressure. Um, so I think Liverpool will beat um, Crystal Palace. And unfortunately for Roy Hudson, I think it'll end up being a, a 3-1 um, victory for Liverpool. All right, Roy, I know you're listening. <laughs> this is your final match of your career. And you do do us a solid. This, <laughs> you know, there's a 9 or a 1-1-9 formation. That, that exists. <laughs> just put nine forwards and just no defense. And we have former alumni of Liverpool on that team too. You got Benteke over there. You got, I don't know if Kelly's still there. Like Ryan Is Kelly. Sako there? Mohamed is. Potentially, yes. Even Sako, but of course he's injured. But <laughs> this team, this is the last thing standing in the way. You know, of course you want to keep it competitive. You want to make sure as, as any sports, you want any, some sort of competition, but for this, I will not mind if you know just lay down, just take a three nil, and then you just kind of go into the sunset of your illustrious career. But you know, I think that's the most ideal situation. But in this scenario, I think Roy Hodgson is still going to put in a good fight. It's going to make it really close, more close than I want. But you know, Roy Hodgson, maybe he's a Liverpool fan in the background, back of his head. He's like, maybe I should do him a solid. But I think it's going to be a little closer than three one. They're at Anfield. They're not going to let Chris Sample happen again. They're at home instead of at Selhurst Park. It's going to be, I think, a 1-0. Ooh, okay. That's going to be close. Close. Mm-hmm. I think it will be a blowout with 3-1. Tyler's going 1-0. And then, finally, we have Aston Villa versus Chelsea. And I'm going to make the bold opinion here because right now I have Leicester City beating Tottenham and then I have Liverpool beating Crystal Palace. But... I'm going to make the bold claim here, and I'm going to say that Aston Villa versus Chelsea, this game actually finishes in a draw because Aston oh. Villa are not a easy team um, to go, you know, to pass by because they have Jack Grealish back, Ollie Watkins is scoring goals. They've shown all season that they are capable of beating big teams and performing well against them. And Chelsea, even though their defense is always top notch, their main problem has been under Tuchel is scoring goals, and they need to win this game. But I feel like their eyes might also be on the Champions League final, um, which is coming up soon against Manchester City. And I know they need to win this game to get in the top four, but I don't know. I just have a feeling that Aston Villa might be able to pull off 
kind of the spectacular. So I'm going to go a a 2-2 draw. I think um, this will be really exciting, but I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that this this game will end in a draw, and that means Chelsea will be being will be in the Europa League, and I and I'm calling Liverpool and Leicester City um, going into the Champions League spots. Oh my gosh, that'd be the most insane scenario. That'd be a dream scenario as a Liverpool fan. <laughs> just like I I looked at this lineup that like you know because Yesh and I we write the lineup in our notes down usually a day before, you know, like the rundown like at mm-hmm. least a day before we record yeah and i saw aston villa chelsea and i and i was thinking chelsea is going to win this easy just because aston villa without jack Grealish, they're not the same like they were a team that was fighting for the top half of the table when jack Grealish was healthy but then afterwards they're struggling they could barely score goals that clean sheet streak that they had with emiliano martinez and goal just kind of ended and they're just kind of like struggling here and there just like you know, get some sweep some points here and there. But Jack Grealish, he came back today and they beat Tottenham 2 1. Yeah. Granted, one of the goals was Ray Guilon scoring <laughs> a spectacular own goal, but you make your own luck. And I feel like this Aston Villa side with Jack Grealish, I don't know why I'm saying it with such a Southern accent, but this team is different. Like he is the main man that kind of makes them tick. Yeah. And I, I believe he has uh, 14 Premier League goals this season. Yes, and he literally is like the main, like he's the Wilfred Zaha equivalent, except like I feel like Grealish is on a whole different level too. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he's even better than Zaha. Yeah. Like he brings out more of the players around him. And I feel like that kind of magic is enough to make some kind of damage in this game against Chelsea. Chelsea, this is it. I feel like <laughs> they're the underdogs going into the Champions League final. So yeah. like, I feel. This like they gotta win this game. I feel like this game is, if not more important than the final. Yeah, like it's kind of crazy to say, but like you're you're kind of hemorrhaging your way of getting in the Champions League because like if you can you can lose this game and then Leicester and Liverpool both win and then you're in fifth place, but you can still get in the Champions League by winning the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure <laughs> on top of trying to win the the final and then also trying to get Champions League through that avenue. Yeah, so that pressure is gonna be on them for this game. And I don't know if those young kids, Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, Kai, Kai Havertz, and team, Werner, just yeah. you know, first time together for a season, kind of in these high pressure games, can they handle that? I don't know. I don't know. And it's against Aston Villa of all teams. But once again, this is like a different version. It's, and so. they're going to be away too. This is going to be at mm-hmm. Villa at Villa's home, um, yeah, Villa Park. Yeah. So, so. It's, you know, the fans are going to be there. Um, unfortunately, like, you know, in terms of a motivation factor for Villa, they're pretty much cemented in their spot in the Premier League table. They can't go above that and they also can't go below that because they just in that weird point crap. Um, but I just feel like, um, Dean Smith will just, will want to pay, uh, they'll, they'll probably want to play party spoilers. They, they, they want to spoil the party and Chelsea, they're going to have to be on their A game if they want to get out of here with the win. This is not going to be an easy game. And I, I Tyler, I don't know if you were able to, I guess, put your prediction like who's gonna. What's- like, I'll say this: I'll make it a Premier Pod prediction, just so that we have the same one. I'll say two two as well. I was gonna say one one, but just to make it like a Premier Pod official one, go. we're gonna make it two two, and we, oh, we're gonna boy. both call a shock draw. I, could because you imagine the scenes if that happens? That that we're gonna watch it live. Yeah, we're literally <laughs> gonna watch it live. Um, Yosh is going to report on it and put it on social media. Exactly. <laughs> so I, 
I I I I actually think like this scoreline. I just have a feeling that this will happen uh, because this is not an easy game. It's going to be really tough, and I think Leicester City and Liverpool will grab the last two Champions League spots, and that will round up the top four. And then it'll be basically up to Chelsea to win the final if they want Champions League. Because I think this Villa game will trip them up. But yeah, we're both calling two two. So we'll see what happens uh, for an exciting Championship Sunday. I can't believe the season is pretty much coming to a close. Obviously. As we said mm-hmm. earlier in the episode or in the beginning of the episode that next week um, we'll have our final episode of season three. But also what that also means is a um, Premier Pods Awards <laughs> awards show, um, which we do uh, yearly after each uh, Premier League season. So obviously we'll get excited for that and uh, you know have our nominations and everything going into that one. But as we always say, you can give us a follow at the Premier Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, be sure to ask us any questions that you would like on there. We definitely respond. You can also watch video versions of this podcast at the Premier Pod on YouTube. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave this podcast a rating and review. It helps us out. It gets us a bump up and helps other people discover the podcast. But um, if you don't want to leave a rating or review, that's totally fine. Just taking the time out of your day to give us a listen. It's more than enough. But if you have a friend or anyone that you know that is interested in soccer, Premier League soccer specifically, and um, they're interested in this, and you want to give them, uh, you want to shout this podcast out to them. That's more than uh, more than enough. That's definitely appreciated. We definitely do appreciate any type of support and help we can get. And thank you all for listening. And yeah, that kind of wraps up season three, episode one eighteen for us. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Peace, peace.